Welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. So, David, we've got a guest. Yeah, let's get right to it. All uh, right. our, our guest is uh, comedian extraordinaire, uh, Graham Elwood. Yeah, that's right. Let's do it. <laughs> Tyler and David, mornings. Oh, sorry. I, no, I thought it was morning radio. Well, well I do, you know, people can listen to it whenever they want. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's drive time. All right. Four or five. Bang, bang. Sorry. Done a lot of road comedian stuff. <laughs> All right, so here's what I'll just, you know what, you've given, I was going to wait for like five minutes so people could get to know you, but uh, <laughs> you know what, I'll just go right into it right now. So you are a comedian, uh-huh. um, a, uh, an occasional game show host as well, okay. right? <laughs> yeah, an occasional and accidental game show host. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Almost like you you fit the suit. Well, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he looks good on camera. But uh, now what, I, I did not, you've also been on the Paul Goebel show, um, you've been on Never Not Funny, and that's how... Uh, how I became aware of you, and then I moved out to L.A., so I hit the UCB. And I've never actually seen an official Graham Elwood stand-up show. <laughs> You've only seen... Uh, I've only seen what you do at the UCB. And I, I wanted... the Benson Interruption. The, the Benson, Benson Interruption. Interruption. My yeah. favorite show in the world to do. <laughs> and it shows. I, yeah. It's <laughs> my favorite show to do because there's no nothing. I, I, I go out of my way to... To try things di- differently, mm. and and you know sometimes they don't work or whatever. But I I, I absolutely love that show for that reason. And well, the audience has like become addicted to the mayhem of the show. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. We should I, explain what the Benson interruption is. Yeah. Do you want to take that? Sure, sure. It's uh, Doug Benson um, from Best Week Ever and Marijuana Logs. About two, maybe three years ago, we actually started doing it at the M Bar before everything switched over to the UCB. Um, and he emcees the show, comes up, does you know ten minutes at the top of the show, and then sits in the audience with a microphone, and inter- and comics come up and do their set. But he he interrupts them. Obviously, the name of the show, and it, it it's like it's usually friends of his, and it becomes just sort of a riff session. And what he, what Doug did was basically just took the way comedians hang out with each other, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and put it into a show, right? Like a bunch of comics hanging out at a party. And they go off on some tangent, and they bust each other's balls or whatever. That's basically what he did, and just put a little structure into it yeah. of "Hey, bring a set to perform, and you know maybe you'll get through some of it." Maybe you won't. <laughs> now, where along the way did you decide I don't want to do a set? Like, at what point? <laughs> that sounds that sounds more insulting than I mean for it to. But literally, I mean, it's no. I, like you watch some people who uh, like are new to it. You know who uh, haven't new to done the it interruption, for, new to the interruption, yeah. and uh, and they prepare jokes, and they're not necessarily used to him interrupting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then after a while, they start to get into it, and I think like you and like Paul F. Tompkins, like you guys, because you've been doing it for a while, you understand. It's just like you know what, most of the funny comes from just us, yeah, talking back and forth. So. Well, the uh, I'll answer. There's like. Two questions in there. Okay, then. First of all, I'll ask. I'll answer the second question first, which okay. is the, the other comedians that come on and they're new to it, mm-hmm. and they kind of get caught off guard. And I right. think, and what happens is some comics. I, I've noticed this a lot because I've I've now started to host a couple shows when right. like Paul and Doug are out of town, which is a blast to do. And I've brought some friends on who've never done it before, and a lot of comics come into it, sort of like, unless they're really good friends with Doug mm-hmm. or me or Paul or whatever. Even then. Sometimes they come on. I've had really good friends of mine do the show where I've emceed it, and they come into it with just sort of a like. It's a little scary thing for a comedian, because the power that you have as a comic is you have ampl- amplification. Right. So if some audience member starts heckling you, you can. It's so easy to shut them down. Right. 
no matter how hard they yell or how much stupid comments they make, you will always be louder than them and you will always crush them, hmm. you know, more than likely if okay. you're good at what you're doing. So I think some comics go, oh, shit. A, not only is it's not an audience member, it's a yeah. fellow comic, uh-huh. and a fellow comic really could ruin, if I knew yeah. your act upside down and back, I could ruin it. Yeah. You know, I could yell out punchlines and stuff like that. I could totally ruin your set. So I think some comics come into it thinking, oh, no, this is where Doug or, or Paul or myself or whatever, but mainly it's mainly Doug. Oh, he's going to sandbag me. He's going to cut me out at the knees or whatever. Right. And they, they kind of miss, uh, they come into it missing sort of the fun of the show, which is it's not always Doug getting over on a comic. Right. A lot of times, as you're talking about, the funny is a, a comic will make some joke or tell some story and then Doug sort of adds to it he tags yeah. onto mm-hmm. it and then maybe both comics go off on some sort of tangent yeah and that's the beauty of it yeah um so uh that I hope answered that mm-hmm. second part of that question T- to answer your first part of your question why I decided to just jettison doing okay. an act yeah it actually started doing comedy death ray okay and I it was their anniversary show they you know they do the 20 they didn't do one this past year but normally they do a 24 hour Oh yeah, right. Anniversary show, and they did their first or second anniversary show at the M Bar, back in whenever that would be oh five or oh four or something like that. And I had to go on at three in the morning. And I saw all these comics, you know, and 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 I, I love the alternative scene. I love the UCB, mm. but I noticed then, as in anything, sometimes uh, comics can get safe, right, uh-huh. doing it and. Reading off my notes and oh, making some snarky comment and oh, this is the new movie that came out that sucks and yeah. what were they thinking when they made this TV show and I went on this audition and uh, you know this is why show business is stupid. Um, <laughs> okay. And so, uh, I I was I was just watching and, and you know the audience had sat had already been sitting through I don't know six seven hours of comedy, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. what am I gonna come you know what, what am I gonna do you know and yeah. it was three in the morning and I what I did was I took I slept from like. Eight to midnight or uh-huh. one. All right. So I came in just like raring to go, raring to go, <laughs> yeah. and just totally like insane. Like I'd, like I just flew overseas or something, you know, kind of sleep deprived. My clock's off, but I'm really amped up. Yeah. And I just came in there and I was like, "The hell with it! I'm going to wake this audience up," <laughs> and just said, "You know, chuck it." You know what I mean? And and that's when it started. And then with the interruption, it was just like there's no. There's yeah. no point in, right. in even in my mind in you're not doing an official set anyway. I'm not gonna do so. it. So why? So yeah. why? And and Doug and I, I've known Doug for a long time. We've gone on the road, uh, you know, a million times together. And the way he and I interact with each other is really just sort of like <laughs> just back and forth. You know what I mean? So I I just thought, well, let's just go with it. And also, I I, I should I should you know say that it isn't like. Prior to the CDR reunion show, I was this completely structured comedian. Right, like right, I've right. always sort of riffed, and I've always liked to have an outline and then go off on tangents. So it was easy for me to just ditch an outline, mm-hmm. you know. And then, and then I also like what I do is I get to I get to the club and see what's going on right then and there. Right, like what other comics have talked about, what's going on with the audience, and then try in my mind to create as much stuff as I can, and that's it. Yeah, that's what I love doing. So how would so now for those who uh, Matt Belknap has a, a 
an occasional podcast called a, a special, just AST, AST Radio, mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's done a couple of Doug uh, Doug Benson interruptions, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a couple clips of you on there, and so but so some people m- might be somewhat aware of what you do while you're there, um, other people might not be aware of it at all. So how would you d- how would you describe what you do there? <laughs> just, I don't know. You know, I bit by bit. <laughs> like, let's say, you know. <laughs> well, I'd say first bring everything on stage to ground level. Exactly. Yeah. Knock, yeah. knock over any music stands. I like, yeah, I don't like anything uh, above the waist. Um, uh, I think, you know, that the, the knocking stuff down comes from just getting myself so worked up. Right. And also, I need to. I need to. I forgot to bring this up because you brought up Matt Belknap. One okay. of the other reasons why I come on stage, specifically with CDR and and um, the Benson interruption, was before Matt revealed who he was, mm-hmm. and there was just this. There's this Sasquatch guy that's going <laughs> on these chat rooms, and what was starting to bug me was I was noticing some comics, and this isn't Matt's fault, yeah, but some comics were like, "Oh, sh- I'm afraid to get a bad write up." <laughs> you know, or they just were like all these. They're like all these comedy nerds. You know, they 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 dissect everything, and and I was like, okay, there's no way on this earth, yeah, people who are paying five bucks to get into a show <laughs> are going to dictate what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I just it made me. I, I kind of got pissed off because I was reminiscent of Largo. Okay. I haven't performed in Largo in several years. And Largo on Monday nights was this wonderful thing that initially was started by Josh DiDonato, and it became this, it was the epicenter of alternative comedy or whatever. What happened was the audience, I started to, I loved that audience, and then I started to hate it because they started to get this attitude of, well, uh, we'll we're, we're hipster central. We'll decide what's funny and what isn't. Yeah. And when... Sasquatch, you know, was just this internet name. We didn't know who Matt was. Yeah. And I never go I don't go to those chat rooms. I don't I don't give a shit. I don't do about it. I mean, I love like football. I love the NFL. I don't care what <laughs> anyone th- says about their team. I don't give a shit. Yeah, right. I just get information from the internet and that's it. I don't chat or this is what I think. I don't give a fuck. Um so you do know that we our podcast is on the internet, uh, and basically it's Ooh. us giving our opinions about movies and wow. such. Wow, uh, never gonna listen to it. Okay, um, <laughs> no, I, I, I get you know I, I that this is an entertainment show. Okay, right. So it's different than postings and chat. I don't know. I've never. I just have never gotten into that. Right. I just. I just. I don't get into that. This is a specific thing. It's a talk show. To me, it's just a. It's just radio in the new age. To me. Okay. Um, and anyone can do it. Though. And anyone can right. do it. And that's that's the beauty of it. Uh, yeah, that's that, a that's a good and a bad thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the beauty of the internet is yeah. anyone can do it. And that's the bad thing too. You know, like as you just yeah. said. But anyway, so uh, I was like, there's no way, there's no way, I'm gonna let these nerds tell you know, like I'm not gonna you know, because I would hear comics like, oh man, you know, I hope I get a good write up and. I was like, "Oh fuck! There's, there's yeah. never that's never going to happen to me." So I came on stage and I'm like, "I'm going to knock shit over and I'm going to scare the shit out of this crowd, <laughs> and yet mesmerize them to where they're like afraid but don't want to leave." Yeah, you know. So that's I was legitimately mad, and I remember I <laughs> called out Sasquatch at the M bar. I don't know if you remember it had for some whatever reason it had this crest over the door with two swords. And I was like, show yourself, Sasquatch, grab a sword, meet me, fight to the death. And then, and then friends of mine were like, dude, the next day on the, on the chat room, he was like, hey, I'm, what did I do to this guy? Like, what, what happened, you know? And since then, you know, I've met Matt. I think Matt's awesome. And yeah. I even said to him oh, like a year ago, I said, you know, 
you're one of the people who I, I'm always leery of outsiders mm-hmm. a little bit because some people always want to come in and they want to. I'm, I'm not leery. I like fans. That's great. The, 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 the scene at the UCB is I love those fans. Yeah. But I get leery of people trying to sometimes make their way into the scene too much because there's I just I'm not going to name any names, but there's bad experiences of people who then start coming in and they book a show or they do something where they they get a little bit of leverage and then they they start dictating to comics what they should or shouldn't be doing and it's mm. like wait a minute you're not a comic yeah. until you go on that stage I don't give a fuck what your opinion is you yeah. know cuz you've never been up there you you've never had your ass handed to you yeah. you've never sucked it for 30 minutes you know what I mean got fired from a road gig you don't know what it is so I yeah. don't want to hear about it but so that's why I was leery of Matt Belknap initially but after that point you know he's really proven himself to have uh I, I really respect the guy's opinion and he really likes cares and and gets it mm-hmm. with uh-huh. comedy well it's he's he's been on our show and so we've you know we've talked about uh, movies and, and that kind of thing and and uh he's been in film school we've been in film school mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. uh and just in general there seems to be uh there are the types of people who really like movies and then there are the people who seem like they like movies, but when you look, they've got nothing but negative things to say. Yeah. You know? and, uh, yeah I think there's there's a distinction to be made in with film buffs and with comedy buffs, whatever, between being a real fan of something and just being a scenester. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know? That's a yeah. great word. That's and a great y- term. Y- you know, in, in film school, you get a lot of people who you would think going, I thought going into film school, finally I'm going to be among mm-hmm. like film lovers. Yeah. And it's there's a lot of just scenesters who want to be there and want to be want to be cool, want to have the right mm-hmm. opinion. and Yeah, and, and they just, they, exactly, the right opinion. They just yeah. say what they think everyone is saying, and so they criticize something. Like, I've, I've seen this in the alternative comedy scene, and, and I've, it's, it, it's why, I, to me, I have always used the term experimental. That's what it, I don't, because alternative comedy is an alternative to what? Being not yeah. funny? Right. You know yeah. what I mean? It, so It's kind of derogatory. That term doesn't make sense to me. But, I, you know, I think what happens is, uh, and the whole scene was started by road comics. Every uh, pick your favorites: Brian Posehn, Patton, blah blah blah. All of them, mm-hmm. all of us were have been on the road for a long time and went. You know, sometimes the road has its shortcomings, and that's why this whole scene started. Of I'm going to tell more real stories. I'm going to read off my notes. I'm going to I'm going to tell more personal stuff, as opposed to just you know dick jokes on the road, which right. you kind of you know to a certain extent you have to do until you're known because yeah. you got to pay your bills on the road, but. So what happens is the scenesters that you're talking about, they come in and they and they they then think, you know, I've heard this like, oh, pfft, you know, I'm not working. I've heard young comics who start in L.A. and want to uh-huh. want to aspire to being at the UCB or whatever are like, oh, I'm not going on the road. It's like, well, then you're not going to know how to be funny, because yeah. because if you think just playing to the back of the room at the Westwood Bruco is is if you think that's what comedy is, you're you're fucking dead wrong, man. Yeah. You need to go to Milwaukee. And a bunch of people who work for a living and don't give a shit as to what inside Hollywood hipster is, they don't care. Yeah. They busted their ass, they had a couple beers, and they want to laugh. And you better make them laugh, man. Yeah. And that idea of the only way to make them laugh in middle America is to be some hacky banjo playing, well, that's bullshit. That's an yeah. excuse. And that that's what drives me absolutely nuts, is when I hear that, that as you call them, the scenesters, you know, and they're yeah. just like, because they heard... Paul F. or Patton or some hero of theirs 
slam some mainstream something that they're like, oh, yeah, it's all stupid, man. Everything is mainstream is dumb. It's like, yeah. well, fucking Star Wars was mainstream. It, yeah. the, the original rocks. Yeah. Not that computer <laughs> nonsense that, that George Lucas is off his fucking gourd. <laughs> he's, nu- he's nuts. He's like Colonel Kurtz. He's fucking gone. He's up the river. He's nuts. He's got his Montanaired army. Yeah, and but they, he's like a really boring Colonel Kurtz. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> really, yeah, like a boring yeah. Colonel Kurtz who doesn't execute people, but just... How just awesome would it be... Like, political science textbooks <laughs> to you. How awesome would it be to see George Lucas like hack up a cow with a machete? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw a banta crawling across a razor blade. Uh, uh, the horn. That's my George Lucas. That's a kind of shitty impression. But um, but I knew you guys would get that reference. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, yeah, we're here to I talk about I know I babbled movies. a lot. I'm sorry. That's perfectly fine. But no, uh, we, we, we talked about uh, uh, comedy and we're, this is a movie podcast, so yeah. uh, let's find the, the balance here and let's get into it. We're going we're gonna to talk about uh, I guess uh, comedy. What, what, what are we calling them? Like stand-up well, concert films. Concert mm-hmm. films. I mean, I guess you know you could almost go and talk about like. In some cases, there haven't been very many, but like documentaries that have to do with comedy, like you know maybe the Aristocrats or you know comedian. Right. But I'd say mostly like stand-up comedy concert films, which there's quite a few of these days. Yeah, um, they're just not, not in the theaters. Right. Right. Yeah, I guess they, that's they true. To, they tend to debut on on HBO and Showtime. Yeah. Now. Um, now you have been okay. So you have a DVD, yes, and it is called Graham Elwood Live from Afghanistan. Okay, so and so w- so where are you in that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we shot it in Fresno. <laughs> no, um, I uh, have been to uh, Afghanistan, mm. and I was just in Iraq over Thanksgiving. So this, my DVD is from the first two trips I took to Afghanistan. Okay. Um, entertaining the military and so it's it's basically a concert dvd mm-hmm. but me performing at different bases so i took like you know 10 minutes from this base and 15 minutes from that base and put together an hour right. and intercut some soldier interviews and stuff like that yeah and so that's um you know it's it's not you know it's not a documentary it's 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 a concert yeah dvd right. you know and and there's and i've i've seen it and there's uh i think it's important to have like i guess I, I watched a lot of stand-up comedy concert uh, DVDs to get ready for this episode, and um, and I usually didn't really, you know, because I want to be, re- you know, I, David has commented I prepare more. More uh, than I do, yeah. Yeah. It really just functions that I don't have a job, and David, <laughs> do- and David does, um, so it's not so much. Anyway, um, and I tended to not really care for, like, whenever they would interrupt the stand-up with something else, just mm-hmm. something. I'm like, well, I want to see the stand-up. You know, but w- what I like about yours is yours. I mean, it is a concert film, but it's about something bigger than that. It's mm-hmm. not like you're some, you know, it's not like you're at a the club theater, in L.A. Yeah, or yeah. something like that. I mean, you are in the middle of this, you know, mm-hmm. location, and you're here for a reason. You're here to entertain these people. And so you, it stands to reason that you should try and find out, a li- the, we the viewer should try and find out a, at least a little bit about these people that you're going to entertain. So, like, I don't necessarily mind it uh, in that in that case, but there are others where... It's a glowing review. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the back of the DVD, Tyler Smith doesn't necessarily, doesn't mind, necessarily, doesn't necessarily mind, it mind it in this case. Um, <laughs> Two and a half stars. Uh, <laughs> I have a hard time just really endorsing things. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so... Uh, but, like, for example, I just watched, um, just today, actually, I watched Sarah Silverman, Jesus mm-hmm. is Magic. Have you seen it, David? I didn't see it, no. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, and, that's, and that's an example. 
not that I'm honestly I'm not that huge of a fan of uh, Sarah Silverman's stand up anyway, but she was pretty funny. And then like it would cut to these little like you know songs or almost mm-hmm. like little almost like little like five minute films you know with her and other mm-hmm. comedians. And I just kind of want to be like, just do stand up. You know, I mean I understand <laughs> you want to do these little sketches and stuff, but you have a show for that. Go do that. <laughs> you know. Um, well, she made Jesus' magic before her show. On whatever. <laughs> you know. But you know, this actually brings up what I, something I want to talk about. Um, Jesus' magic was released in theaters. That's right. Yeah. And uh, it seems, uh, and maybe this is just with you know me being younger and not really realizing, but it seems like there used to be more stand-up concert films in the theater, and maybe mm-hmm. because there wasn't HBO and Showtime. But uh, I, I wonder why. Is there not a hunger for it anymore? Like, will people not spend the 12 uh, bucks to go see? Uh, that I, I think it's because so mu- it's on TV so much. Mm-hmm. See, back when, you know, in the 70s and 80s, when those were in the theaters, what you're mm-hmm. talking about, Richard Pryor, Richard Pryor and, yeah, and Eddie, uh, Murphy. Eddie Murphy and all that, is because there wasn't, it wasn't on TV 24-7. Right. So I, I, I think it's... I don't know if this logic is true. My guess is that the you know the studio logic is well. Why why should they why would they, why would they pay twelve dollars to see this when yeah. they can see it on HBO or right. when they can see it on there, you know there's there's hours and hours of half hour comedy specials on on Comedy Central. So that yeah. might be the guess. I'd like to see it. I I mean like I, I like Sarah's uh, being in theaters. I like I like Jesus is Magic. I like mm. Margaret Cho's first. One that she put um, in in was that I'm the one I want. Yeah, I'm the one I want yeah. because that was you I know, saw that in the theater. Actually. That was great in the theaters, and I remember, you know, being on shows with her in the six months prior to that, like when she was really you know getting that set together before that taping, and what you know, what those both did, which a lot of the other specials don't do, is they're shot to be in the theaters. Mm-hmm. That's why you know they yeah. the whole they they're, they're shooting it on film and they're they're you know. From a cinematography standpoint, really making it for the big screen and right. making this comedian larger than life, yeah. and the other ones are shot for TV or DVD release. Yeah, yeah. so that's. Uh, you know, I want to bring up an exception to that actually, and I mentioned it on this show before. Um, it was a recent Showtime special, and talk about not an alternative comic, but uh, Doug Stanhope's Showtime special. Mm-hmm. I think if he were a bigger name, could easily be in theaters. It's mm-hmm. it's. A, I don't know if you're a fan of Doug's. Oh, I, I think Doug's hilarious. Man. It's a brilliant set, and it's good filmmaking. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, it's it reminds me, and I guess it actually does uh, the Paris, the comparison uh, bears itself out. But like, I compare it to like uh, like plays, like uh-huh. when they try and make a play into a movie. Like there are some who f- you know there are some filmmakers who are like, oh well, we got to get. We got to try and lose the staginess of this, and we'll try and you know, like for example, blue collar comedy tour, <laughs> uh, like it shows the the comedians, but then it will show them the four of them out at a mall with oh a little fart machine, you know, like a little thing that they push the button and oh uh oh somebody farted, and it's stuff <laughs> like that. literally that's the humor, like them walking around a mall with that. Anyway, um, but uh, and it's like I don't know, I I, I never responded to that because it's like you know stand-up comedy is funny enough you know it's good enough in itself like glengarry glenn ross i mean it does get them out of the office and out of the restaurant of the play but you know it doesn't do what hurley burley does which has like which tries to split up a single scene by having some of it take place over the phone in cars like it's just 
it's like they're trying to work against it when they realize, like, no, all you need to do is is try and emphasize, like with the Doug Stanhope thing, like it will sometimes show a close-up of him lighting a cigarette right. or him, you know, uh, putting a cigarette out or grabbing a beer. Like Mostly cigarette-based. Mostly cigarette, <laughs> yes. There's, he doesn't do a lot else with his hands. Um, but, uh, you know, like... That's the thing is that is like a real movie. And when I watched uh, a couple weeks ago, I watched Bill Cosby himself, mm. and that one it's just all him, you know. And it and it does you know cut to an occasional close up. It's like it's good filmmaking. And they realized all we need to do is emphasize what's going on on stage, and that's enough. Like why try and undercut that with other things? I agree with what you're saying, mm. but th- like the example you're using, you're talking about Bill Cosby, and well, Bill Cosby, that's, I mean, yeah. you know what I mean. Like that's like. You don't need to put any bells and whistles That's on true, Bill Cosby right. sitting there, you know, at the top of his game whenever that came out in 82, 83 or something like that. Rough, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so uh, y- you are right that, that sometimes they do try to put too many, uh, you know, extras or whatever on the concert DVDs. But it really it's really depends on the comic and their act and their tone and, and, yeah. and, and all that other things. Because and this isn't a slam. Right. Some comics, you know, it's it's tough to sustain for an hour. Yeah. You know, and, and that's not like, oh, they're not funny or they don't have enough material. I mean, I mean, there's certain comics who I think they're hilarious and they've got hours and hours of funny, funny material, but I can only take <laughs> so much. Yeah. Now, granted, I have a very different point of view than the average person, but, right, right. but I mean, you know, I think that has a lot to do with it where, you know, uh, Bill Cosby, I mean, I can... I could watch that guy sit in a chair and talk for an hour. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. you just... But what I wonder is if, if Bill Cosby himself or if... Uh, what's the first Richard Pryor one? Just Richard Pryor Live? Is that what it's called? The, the first yeah, one? Yeah, well, he's had a... What was the first one that was on? Well, he's got, what, Live at the Sunset the, Strip, yeah. right? Well, what was yeah. before that? Was there, you did have a concert one before that? I think there was one before that. I don't know. I worked Richard at... Richard Pryor Live or yeah. something like that. But, okay, if one of those... If, you know, say if they were working today instead of then, instead of then... And they made did that special today. Would it get into the Would it get into the theaters? Because That's a good question. Certainly, yeah. the Richard Pryor is. I mean, he's he. The way he performed, you know, and and the way he took on characters was so inherently filmic. Yeah, you know that uh, it would be a shame to not have that uh, be seen as, as a as a film in, in, instead of uh, because it's sort of even though it's still about the same length, an hour to an hour and a half. Putting it on HBO and Showtime kind of ghettoizes it a little bit, you know. It, it mm. makes it like it's not as important as the as the yeah. old specials were. I'd like to see it. I mean, I'd like to see more. But I mean, I, I think a lot of it is one of the the uh, pitfalls of the technology being so easy and cheap and readily accessible is you can produce. I can produce a concert DVD for. You know, thirty, forty grand at the yeah. most. You know what I mean? Like three cameras, get a nice theater, light it, and boom. You yeah. know, and you know, I'm I, to then want to put that in theaters. That's gonna make it now. I don't know. I'm just throwing out numbers, but probably right. a two hundred or three hundred thousand dollar movie. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so if I can, if I can shoot it for fifty and put it on cable or DVD. Right. I'm not yeah. going to go that extra couple hundred grand. That's my guess. I don't know. I'm no. I, I I can't say for sure. But well, and also I think, I mean, you asked the question like, would it, would Bill Cosby himself, would it be in theaters made in you know 2005? And uh-huh. I don't think it would, because like when you think about it, with YouTube and and you know Comedy Central and HBO and Showtime, just all I mean, you can get a a, a comics 
stuff like pretty much almost anywhere whereas like back in the 80s you know bill cosby was a big name and i'm sure there are plenty of people who lived in cities where it's like oh well i don't think he's going to be rolling through here Mm -hmm. and i would like to go get i would like to go see him and you know and i think it's interesting the way they shoot bill cosby himself because they never they never like cut to the audience to like a close-up of somebody laughing it's it's all him all the time. Like it really does recreate what it would be like with the exception of course, you know, I mean, you can't get so close to his face that you can, you know, count the hairs on his nose or anything, but like, you know, it really tries to recreate what it would be like to see him in concert. And I really think it was because he was such a big name. I really think it was for people who, you know, lived in, let's say, uh, let me pick one, Nixon, Missouri, you know, um, I used to live in Nixon, Missouri. (laughs) Um, Previously, not a famous town, and then, then for some reason they chose that that's where Jason Bourne is originally from. Anyway, um, really, yeah, at it's the very end strange. of the second Bourne movie, they say he's from Nixon, Missouri, and, well, uh, and apparently pl- the town of Nixon was oh, it was in an uproar. They were parades, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I thought they renamed a the street. Yeah, so. they're very excited about a fictional <laughs> character. The Piggly um, Wigglies now got a <laughs> Jason Bourne. Uh. Um, so, so yeah, like I think a lot of the movies made it to theaters solely so that more people could get a chance to experience what this was like. Um, whereas now, I mean, people can experience, I mean, now they can find it online, on TV. You know, they don't even need it. They don't, somebody may not come through their town, but they still aren't, don't yeah. have to shell out 15 bucks to go see it. They can get, you can get access to anybody now. Yeah. You the, know, the effect of that is, I think, twofold. On the one, it, makes uh it gives more exposure to smaller name comics yeah having all the comedy central and all the youtube and everything like that but it also to at least the audience i think uh stand-up comedy is maybe more taken for granted than it was 20 30 years ago mm-hmm. you know yeah uh, it's again it's it goes back to that it's on tv 24 7 there's a there's a channel devoted to it yeah and you know going you know in the late 70s early 80s first of all in in the, the the comedy club in every town didn't happen until the late eighties, right. yeah. early nineties, and so even now, even even if you let's just take let's just take TV and internet out of the equation, there's still more comedy clubs now. Yeah, I mean the 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 Nixon, Missouri. There's probably a Indian casino, you know what I mean, <laughs> or riverboat casino that they can go see somebody perform yeah. at in a big theater. Well, we when. When we went to Southwest Missouri State University uh, for a year, we went and saw... Go Bobcats uh, or whatever. What's their... Bears. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's and now it's just boring. called Missouri State. But, uh, That's right. Yeah, we saw, we saw Lewis Black. Black. So, yeah, sure. Because comics also come to colleges. Sure. Yeah. But uh, I guess my, my question is, do you think that... I think with anything, if you flood the market with it, it's not going to be appreciated as much. So, uh, And I don't think... I don't. I think stand up has maybe always kind of had to fight to get the respect as an art form that it deserves. Yeah, yeah especially now. well, comedy in general. I yeah. mean, there, there's no That's comedy for the Oscars. There's no comedy category. Yeah, and if yeah. you have a movie that even whiffs of being more comedy than drama, forget it. I don't yeah. care how good how good the acting is. You unless know you've got a prestigious name behind it. Unless yeah, it's like unless it's like Doctor Strange Love, then sure. oh, that's a yeah. comedy. Or Woody Allen like or something. The, yeah. the, the scenesters will say, okay, that's a comedy that I can embrace because it's Kubrick. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, or, but in the meantime, Dirty Work, hilarious movie, does not get the respect it deserves. Dirty Work. Nice. We try to bring that. Uh, oddly enough, every almost every time we have a guest, we wind up bringing up 
dirty work. We talk about dirty work a lot. It's Quite a bit. I don't. I, it's a, maybe it's, it's like a our battleship retention guilty pleasure. Yeah, maybe it's like our testing. It's like how does this person respond when we when we mention Bob Saget directed Dirty Work starring Norm Macdonald? What are they going to do? They laugh. Okay, all right, fair enough. I'll take it. We can continue the episode. That's now. that's the barometer. Is dirty, yeah, the exactly, dirty work? Exactly. Uh, okay, <laughs> glad I passed. Um, so um, so what are some what were some of your favorites? Did, did you did you before you were a comic? Uh, I don't know where where are you from originally? I'm originally from. Uh, I was born in Madison, Wisconsin, and then I moved to Chicago when I was about eleven or twelve years old. Okay. So I really am from the Midwest. I I identify uh, a lot with Chicago because after I graduated college, I moved back to Chicago and mm-hmm. was really that's when I started doing stand up hardcore. I started in college at the University of Arizona. Okay. Um, and uh, I was in a comedy group called Comedy Corner, which is every noon in the student union cellar. <laughs> and uh, um, it's still going on today. The show's been on going since 1980. It's wow. one of the longest running college comedy shows. And That's weird because the phrase, the sentence that you used, like with every addition to the phrase, I'm like, wow, this audience is just getting smaller. Every, <laughs> it's like every noon at the student union in the cellar. It's like, wow, who, who's going to this? <laughs> Uh, there's 400 kids that go oh, man. every. That's crazy. Wait, it was a, it was a, it was a really cool experience. So, um, but so I, what I'm saying but is anyway. that uh, I imagine that you mm-hmm. saw stand-up comedy specials and concerts and stuff as a kid, and they were probably. I li- I remember listening to albums back okay. when you listened yeah. to albums. I mean, like Steve Martin albums. I mean, right. to me, like Steve Martin, when those albums were just. On, but like I remember my whole family. I mean, I sound like an old person. Like we used to get around the Philco and listen to FDR <laughs> talk. You know, like I mean, he, we would listen to my whole family would get around and listen to Steve Martin's albums in the, you know in the seventies. And then, uh, I mean, influence wise, it was the original cast of Saturday Night Live uh-huh. um, with Aykroyd and Belushi. And um, and I, then I remember Richard Pryor for sure. Uh, and I remember my mom going, there's a guy called Lenny Bruce. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's no longer alive, but uh, you might want to. And I remember um, in high school uh, that Dustin Hoffman movie came out. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lenny. Lenny. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched a, and then I started renting all these these uh, VHSs of, of Lenny Bruce. Like mm-hmm. I got I got <laughs> this crazy one where he's in Florida at like when uh, the tail end. Uh-huh. Where all he did was read his court transcripts. Oh, yeah. It's insane. I watched, I, I got a, in Nixon, Missouri, I worked at a video store that had a stand-up comedy section, and I got them for free, so, and we had a surprising amount of Lenny Bruce, and one of them was like, it was, I think it was like his last, yeah. like, taped performance, and I'm like, well, this is neat, and then I then I watched Lenny, and I was like, why would they ever want to show that? I mean, I guess to show, hey, I want to see this guy who was hilarious not really be that funny he's anymore done you know what i mean yeah. his, his brain's fried or whatever yeah um yeah i always liked uh i i always liked stand up and i remember uh being you know when i was old enough to really like try and be edgy you know mm-hmm. i really loved you know bill hicks and and that kind of thing and i saw bill hicks in in the in the funny firm in chicago in oh, 93 and um <laughs> I'd only been in stand up a couple of years, and Dennis Mil- Dennis uh, Leary had mm-hmm. started to pop. Right, uh-huh. and um, <laughs> Bill Bill Hicks was awesome. Uh, he was getting towards the end of his set, and by the way, we went into that. We watched him every show. Mm-hmm. I mean, we came if we had other shows. We every every the back of the club was packed with comics, just like watching this guy in awe, and um, and he. Uh, 
he's towards the end of his set, and he goes, "Anyone have any questions?" And I think it was I think it was even Jimmy Dore yells out, "What about Dennis Leary?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Bill Hicks goes, "Well, it's good to see my act from three years ago still working." <laughs> and it was just like, "Whoa!" I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> like I just like man, that took balls for him to say. And but that was you know that. That didn't take balls. That was just who you know. That's who yeah. that guy was. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I saw him, and and um, I remember watching uh, Eddie Murphy uh, Delirious, and thought that was genius. And then disappointed with Raw, because I thought Raw he'd already gotten hugely famous and kind of coasted. I thought like I, I haven't watched those ones in a long time, but I thought Delirious was like a polished act. Mm-hmm. And Raw was, I'm famous, I can just kind of throw out half-premises and I'll get laughs. Odd. I, I agree completely. And we were we were just talking before we started rolling about Dane Cook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how uh, how I think we... Because yeah. you guys were fans of Cook, Dane, when he was younger, to, right? To, yeah. to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, not the, In like, what, 2001? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to take my poster down, actually. Um. <laughs> but no, when he, you know, when I would see him on, say, when he would do Premium Blend or something, you know, yeah. I... I remembered him as being, you know, yeah, a funny-ish guy. And then so I, yeah. I watched. Uh, I put it on my Netflix queue. I put Vicious Circle, and then I'm like, you know what? I bet this is on YouTube. I mean, this guy was is huge on the internet. I imagine this whole thing is on YouTube because I would really not. Pref- I'd like to use my Netflix thing <laughs> on something, something else, <laughs> and um, something and like Men at Work with the exactly. uh, Emilio Estevez and his brother, exactly. something exactly. like that. High Finally, quality. the brothers together. Um, <laughs> As garbage men, how could that miss? How could that lose that combo? If, if only they and could you know, do Brothers Karamazov with the Baldwins. <laughs> <laughs> on a on a tangent, you know, it used to be that Charlie Sheen looked more like his dad, but like, have you seen Emilio Estevez yeah. lately? It's gone the other way. His it's like his his face is just sort of like fallen and flattened. And yeah. he, looks, he looks just like Martin Sheen now. <laughs> well, I think you know because uh, Emilio doesn't have as much uh, hookers and blow <laughs> right. uh, coursing through his skin to keep him young, <laughs> to keep him young looking, young and spry. Um, what the hell are we talking about, Dane Cook? Oh yeah, so I watched uh, Vicious Circle, and this is the one that he did right around. Was it Torgasm? It was yeah. like r- right around there, and so I saw it, and that one, that one is filmed like a concert when i say concert i mean like a rolling stones that one is mm-hmm. done as if he was a rock star and i mean it's a huge stadium and he really at that point is much like you know eddie murphy so basically what i'm saying is that uh, dane cook is is our generation's eddie murphy um <laughs> i don't believe that at all by the way i'm just joking um but uh you know he just kind of throws out these little these little things, like he's like, you ever, he's like, hey guys, you ever? He's like, you ever just tell a big lie? He's like, I, he's like, I, he's like, I just, I used to love to lie, and then people are laughing, and I'm like, that's not funny. He's like, oh, you guys do it too? Applause, and I'm like, wait, there's not a <laughs> joke within a mile. <laughs> exactly, there's not a joke within a mile of what he said, <laughs> and he's gotten laughter and applause, and it's just, you know, and and so that's an example of somebody who. What little you know? What little funny he had. Just once he became big, he didn't have to be funny anymore. Well, I think you know, and 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 I'm not gonna. I'm not. You know, there's, there's a jumping on the bash Dane Cook band, right, or right, whatever. And you know, I, I give the guy hats off for he's a marketing genius. You yeah. Know, and a lot of comics are like, oh, it's bullshit. And I was like, hey man, he out hustled you. That's what I say yeah. to other comics. Yeah. I go, most comics are lazy, and I said he out hustled all of us. So yeah. I give him props for that. But in general. There's there's a it's 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 tough 
for comedians, especially when you get to that level. Mm-hmm. When you're selling out, you know, 18,000-seat arenas. Yeah. When you become that famous and everybody knows your act, unlike a musician, people don't go, oh, I love this bit. I love hearing it over and over and over again. Some people do. Mm-hmm. But more so with comedy, it's I've heard this before. Whereas yeah. a musician, you can play the same songs for 100,000 yeah. years, and it's like, oh, I love this. This is my favorite song. So, But I think what happens when you get to be that crazy famous is – Every moment of your day is mapped out. Right. And there's no, you can't just go bang it out in the clubs or yeah. work on new stuff or, it, and it becomes, it, it becomes tough, man. Yeah. Like, you know, and I'm just speaking in general, I, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm all pro or, or anti-Dane or whatever. I'm just right. saying in general that when you get that big and that famous to write a new act, I mean, I've seen so many big, com- that's why, that's why, like, Steve Martin said, I can't be a comic anymore right you know and and only only a select like george carlin just i mean that guy just writes Mm -hmm. and writes and writes and writes and you you can debate whether or not it still holds today but he's still writing and i think it just especially when you get famous doing a specific type of comedy or specific thing then to constantly come up with something new i think is is tough Especially you when you're doing feature films and all this other right. shit, because you know, then yeah. you're not in. If you're doing a feature film for three months, you're not setting foot in a comedy yeah. club for three months, and that's three months of writing yeah. and working on stuff that that it's taken away from you. And then, oh, your manager just booked you in some giant, you know, two weeks on the road and some in some giant arena tour. Well, yeah. then you got to just go. Hey, yeah. what's up with lying? Woo! <laughs> you know what I mean? And Do you then, think that's? Um, th- th- I think there's. Um there's a, a stereotype, and it might even be true that that uh, funny people tend to lose it as they get older to mm. become less funny. Do you think it's more because they're more famous and not because they're older, or do you yeah. think people actually get less funny as they get older? I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know. I hope I'm not going to be less funny <laughs> when I'm older. You know, I'm not going to be like the annoying uncle that's like David. You have brought Graham down. Yeah, <laughs> just like that. I'm not going to be like the. Hey, kids! I can pull off my thumb. Oh, that's great, Uncle Graham. Uh, but it, it, I think also comedy, in in a, in a way that's different from other art forms, it it it's very fluid. It, it's always changing. You know, mm-hmm. like if you like if you read Mark Twain now, like Mark Twain was considered a really a great humorist at the time, and it's I mean, it's, there's still a lot of funny stuff in there. Yeah. But a lot of it seems almost childish now. The the, the kind of jokes, and it's just because. Comedy changes in, in a way that other arts art forms. Comedy don't. is the constant um, uh, critique of current society. Yeah. So that's what it is, and and typically when people get older, they kind of stop giving a shit about <laughs> what what you know. And you get older, like I don't want to be bugged by. It. I just want to hang out and do my thing, and I don't want to yeah. get messed with it. And you and so if you're not having your fingers on the pulse of what's going on every moment of every day. Yeah. That that becomes the problem. Well, how far? We, how long? We're we all going? gonna die. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't. We honestly haven't been going that long. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, uh, well, I guess we could talk, David. We've been talking. I've been well. I've been talking. Nobody's been asking me anything. But I've been talking, and then we've been asking Graham stuff. What are some of your favorite, you know, uh, stand up? Uh, you know, at this point, DVDs. Um, well, like I said, I thought the Doug Stanhope one was was really brilliant. Um, 
And uh, actually, I don't know. You said you're a Doug Stanhope. Yeah, he's fan, hilarious. Right. And I always, I wonder about about. Uh, it seems like a lot of people who are into like alternative comedy like him because he's funny mm-hmm. and they should. But uh, I, I I wonder. I don't know. He's he's. Uh, it's the politics of of, of his stuff. I'm not sure what I'm trying to say, but that, that I think the the alternative comedy crowd is generally liberal, yeah, and he's pretty far to the right mm-hmm. to the point of being a libertarian. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if you're uh, a liberal or a conservative or, or what, but uh, you know you perform for the troops uh, who have a reputation for being conservative. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true because I haven't you know been over there. Uh, wh- wh- how, where do you find that uh, politics enters? Uh, well. I- I think you're you're correct in that the alternative community isn't going to embrace Doug Stanhope as much as they should because of because he is kind of right wing yeah. or as you say a libertarian and yeah. and a lot of libertarians are you know sort of disenfranchised republicans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I voted libertarian a lot of times. I I'm, I'm you know to answer your other question I'm fairly liberal in a lot of my politics but I'm a registered independent. Uh, Because I don't like the two-party system, and I'm not going to just, whoa, yay, Democrats, just because it's like Coke and Pepsi every election um, (laughs) for me personally. But politics absolutely figures into the equation, especially in this time. Uh I mean, this country is, I mean, it's not as bad as it was four years ago, but in 04, I mean, this country was split, man, red and blue. And it, it it is tough. To, uh, to cross that line if you're going to talk politics in your act. It's really hard. And I think it is a mistake of audiences to shut off someone that's coming from the other side just because of the politics. But, but it, it's sort of a casualty of the times we're living in because we're in war and, mm-hmm. and the country is really split. And... 9/11 happened and we have a president, you know, who has a 32% approval rating and you know, I mean, the Bible is a huge uh component to campaigning now. I mean, it's just the, I, I mean, that's a whole hours worth of episode yeah. we could talk about that, but I mean yeah. like, you know, it <laughs> really yeah. it really figures in and it's unfortunate that um the country is so polarized that that even affects um comedy you know entertainment well, do you find when you're in afghanistan i i, I don't know how political your act gets because again i'm more familiar with this exactly. that's an eruption thing <laughs> just uh, like this stool represents <laughs> capitalism and i'm throwing it across the stage <laughs> i'm, I'm gonna monkey fuck this mic stand the way the economy has been monkey fucked um but in afghanistan or just you know touring on the on doing, being on the road and doing you know quote red states or whatever uh, do you do you alter your act? Do you censor yourself at all? Well, I mean, first of all, to make it real clear, when you're performing in a war zone, it's really specific right. what, where, mm-hmm. where you're performing and who you're performing in front of. Right. And you're never going to get a more specific audience in a more <laughs> specific scenario than that. And I've never been that political in, in my... Sometimes I have. And I've tried to, like, you know... I was so mad at George Bush, you know, leading up to the to the war in Iraq and and I tried to but I couldn't ever make it funny. Uh-huh. It was literally just me yelling in the crowd kind of <laughs> like, "Whoa, whoa, no punchline." And crazy man, you know what I mean? And so I I you should have just done it in a funny voice or I something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like 
but so that's that's me personally where I'm at. But yeah, I mean, any comic. I shouldn't say any comic. I alter my act depending on the audience that I'm at. And when I'm performing overseas, I mean, you can't make fun of the president. Sure. And if the president yeah. was was Al Gore, you couldn't make. You just right. that's the boss. Yeah. You can't make fun of the boss. And um, and I, I I especially leave my personal politics out of it when I'm over there because they don't need to hear it. Right. They're living it more than I will ever possibly know. They 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 know. <laughs> Every day, what the politics of their situation is, you know what I mean. So they don't need to hear some goddamn Hollywood liberal run his yap about, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. and 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 I have such a like I'm here to just make them laugh. Right. That's it. Yeah. They're putting it all on the line, regardless of what my politics are. It's I'm just here to make them laugh. So uh, that's how I do with that. And and then and also. You know, going over there and then coming back to, you know, liberal cocoon Los Angeles, uh-huh. uh, you know, I, I, I've I become a little more critical. I've always, you know, it's easy to be, when when you grow up as in, you know, my parents are hippies and I'm liberal and I've went, you know, always lived in fairly liberal cities and L.A. is, you know, the, at the most, yeah, the most, you know. It's easy to make fun of the conservatives and all of their closed-mindedness, which they have plenty of. Uh-huh. But I've also come back here and seen how closed and naive the liberals can be, yeah. and it's it's pushed me more to the middle, you know. Um, in terms of, well, you know, I, I was a, I heard some people like, oh man, you know, Bush just went over there for oil, and I go, yeah, I, I was actually, you know, it's like a dinner party, and I said, D- how many of you rode your bike to this dinner party? <laughs> Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> you know what I mean? How many of you all? Uh, everyone here has a cell phone and a laptop and, a, you know, and so like when I hear that, he just went over there for oil. I go, of course he did. There's 300. He's in charge of 300 million oil addicts. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're all to blame for that. Yeah. And I can't sit here and go, you know, Bush, she just wants money and oil. What she does. And I, there's a million things he could have done better after 9-11, I think. And not to turn this into a political show, but you know, I can't just uh, I can't just tow the blue state company line right. and yeah, Bush sucks, and not go well. H- how are you know what I mean? Like yeah, okay, I drive a hybrid and I try to take public transportation more, but come on, man. Yeah. You know, I have a watch. I you know, I I make DVDs that are all plastic based. <laughs> I mean, anything. A, bu- a bushel of organic apples is delivered on a truck that that uses right. you know yeah. so yeah. so. We can't be shocked. Yeah, that it's definitely he, that good he to have both sides of the. You know, and it's really, it's really, it's gone. Oh, and and performing in front of those soldiers too, and talking to them one on one because they'll they'll talk to you. You're a civilian, man. They'll they'll say stuff and open up to you mm-hmm. in ways. And they're not all conservatives that right. people think. A higher percentage of them are. Mm-hmm. But I also, you know, when you see that world and you see like Al Qaeda's for real. Yeah, it's not. This isn't Vietnam. This isn't a made-up enemy. This is a for real thing. It really changes your perspective. And I think to to since I have kind of gone off a little bit of a tangent to bring this full circle on your question, more Americans need to uh, have exposure. Our biggest problem with this this country is we're so insulated from the rest of the world. We have no idea, and so 
you know, when conservatives, oh, these poor people ought to just pull themselves up by their bootstraps. It's the most ignorant statement you can ever hear. You know what I mean? Like, let's yeah. round up all the illegals and send them back. What? Like, yeah. I mean, go live in a third world country. And by the same token, you know, liberals need to see that, you know, your liberal Green Party, it does not, they don't, it's not going to work in the Middle East. Yeah. They only understand force there. They yeah. only understand force. And you're like, hey, let's all get along. They look at you as weak. So, so to that. To, uh, <laughs> to bring it back to stand-up concert films, uh, uh, conservatives need to go rent some Ginny Garofalo. Uh, <laughs> yes, films, yes. And the liberals need to go rent some Dennis Miller. Dennis and, Miller uh, that's is who I wanted to bring up in reference to your point because he's a guy who basically in the last eight years roughly mm-hmm. has lost all, like, credit like all credibility because yeah. he has gone more the conservative i think he's still really funny but some people are like ah he's not funny anymore it's like well no he's just not he's still on funny here's what makes me mad about dennis miller okay is i don't fault the guy for going more conservative what right. bothers me is he said on his show when he got that show that didn't last long on msnbc yeah. mm-hmm. this is going to be a bush bashing free zone that pissed me off because yeah. he's a political satirist. Yeah. Nobody gets a free ride. Right. Yeah. You take down the right, the left, and everyone in between. If someone's doing something stupid, you go after him. That's right. my problem with Dennis Miller. Yeah. He should still be going after everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? You go after Obama, go after Hillary, go after Pelosi. Great. But Bush gets a free ride? I mean, really? Like yeah, that guy? A, when he was a liberal, I mean, he talked about Clinton quite a bit, you know? You know, I think you should. You know, whoever is in office should should be scrutinized. Yeah, and whoever is in power should be scrutinized, and yeah. and whoever's fighting them should be. I mean, both. I, honestly, it's like I said, it's co- the Republicans, Democrats, in my mind, are Coke and Pepsi, so they both need to be taken out at the knees. Yeah, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, that's so a, that's bu- fucking get out exactly. there, but get your guns. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take it anymore. Oh, that's a movie quote. Okay, <laughs> this is a movie podcast, so and thanks for listening, up. everybody. Uh, but, uh, okay, so Graham's uh, DVD is called uh, Graham Elwood Live in Afghanistan. You can get it at GrahamElwood.com. You can also rent it on Netflix. Uh, and Rent it on Netflix and give it a good review, even mm-hmm. if you didn't like it. Because, um, uh, you know, I'm trying to cheat. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can watch it on Netflix. And it's also available at a specialthing.com. Yes. So. Okay, and your website is? GrahamElwood.com. Okay. And also well, MySpace page, Graham Elwood. I'll, I'll say my thanks name 16 more times. Yeah, Graham thanks a lot. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm sorry if I went off on some fucking crazy. It's perfectly And the fine. goddamn Republicans and the liberals. Like, it's a movie show, jackass. Like, <laughs> shut up. No, it's fine, you know. There's a, someday, David and I have discussed, someday we want to do a show about movies that are just so inherently political and relevant that give it a year and they, like, won't be anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, these days there's a lot of. There's a lot of overlap between movies and politics. So. Yeah, and to get back to the point real quick before you guys wrap up, to tell your audience if there's anyone that's that's turned off by Doug Stanhope's politics, g- give it him another chance because he's really funny. Yeah. yeah. And same thing if there's conservatives listening who are just like, ah, Janine Garofalo, the hell with her. Listen to her. She's funny. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. put your politics aside and just funny is funny. I think. Yeah. Doug Stanhope's right. funnier than Janine Garofalo, though. I agree. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and and it's mostly he's a function funny. of his politics. Now, <laughs> so... <laughs> So, yeah, uh, right. thanks for being on the show. Thank you, guys. And, and uh, uh, thanks for living, listening, everybody. Bye. Thanks for living. Thanks for living. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Goodbye. We're done.